Bedroom Battle Pass. The Archives. Me and you, Season 2. Alright, let's kick it. Welcome to the show. You've got Marky Malpas and JDK joining the studio, as we mentioned before, with the boys from Clarity of Chaos. From left to right, we've got James Dame, vocalist, singer, and uh, lyric writer, I suppose. And Chris Farrant on bass. Excellent. Good to have you boys in the studio. Going through the tracks from the new album, we've been able to play the uh, the whole album for everybody here on the show. So um, kicking it off, that's the first track from the album, Final Warning. I've seen you guys play that live a few times. Um, man, it kicks just as hard live as it does on the album how do you find playing that one yeah it's still um very new very fresh sort of song like we only sort of wrote that you know sort of coming into the studio period at the end of last year and um yeah brought it out the last four four or five songs um four or five shows now and it's uh it's actually been a real popular one everyone seems to like it and dig what we've done with it and so uh nah, big horns up to everyone that's heard it no it's definitely a fun one to play it's was the very last song we wrote we i think we just polished it off just before going into the studio yeah like yeah, my lyrics even for that sort of came from a um local fighter josh tonga um you know he's a little world champion he's an absolute classy dude in the ring um he's yeah slowly racking it up and gonna have a big uh, big bout coming up at the ais i think in uh, june july um so um yeah we've still yet to uh show him this one because uh one of my former bands, we wrote a walkout song for him about 10 years ago when he first started off when he was 17 years old. And, um, yeah, still got to get his opinion on it and see whether he actually likes where the, the new wave has gone for it. Cool, man. Well, it's definitely got some um, kick about it, so, I mean, that'll that'll amp everybody up, I think, for sure. Oh, look, it was fantastic to do. We tried to just keep pushing the drums up and up and up as much as we could until there was nowhere else to go. Um yeah, we we just like that really really nice drive. Um, you know, have the kick drum so you can you know if you turn it up at home, you can actually feel it sort of punching yeah. through you. Um, so yeah, and that was our main aim, I think, for where we were going and the direction of the album was just to to make it rock as hard as we could. Awesome. So uh, also you mentioned the uh, the squeal in there at the start with um, some of the. Uh, Toby's squeals on in, in that song. Um, I know that if anyone follows the Facebook page for Canberra Metalhead, you'll see that I actually went down and watched you guys record some of that album. And um, yeah, it's just like getting everything perfect. What was it like with, with um, Riff recording that? Oh, look, it was always quite interesting, you know, like new studio. Um, well, we were new for, for Jack and Dave. They hadn't recorded a metal band before. Yeah. So it was a big learning curve for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they took on board everything we wanted to do and they we gave them a lot of guidance, but then we just let them loose and they developed their own knowledge and really pushed it. But they were very, very particular. Jack had a fantastic year. He was, he'd just pick yeah. up single notes that were off and he'd just say that again, mm-hmm. do it again. Mm-hmm. He was very polite. I think, you know, I think you guys could do that just a little better. So. <laughs> getting it done yeah like he um yeah he had a bit of a yeah quite a bit of a i think he actually learned a bit out of uh, what we brought in there as well you know um 
like the the band has a lot of experience in it, um, which we're very lucky to have. You know, like you know, Darren Darren Mead, our drummer, he's been doing you know one of the one of the best drummers in Canberra for a good twenty odd years. You know, like you can't fold him at anything he does, um, whether it be cover shows or originals. Um, he's just a he's just a monster on the drums. So um, you know, I've done a fair bit of recording as well for previous bands and. Just to have someone else um, like David Pendragon to, you know, 40 years experience, you know, and you just chat to someone like that and they'll just go, oh, look, I've got this idea. Let's, mm. you know, and, you know, he gave us free reign in the studio to do what we want. But then as, you know, as we slowly got the drums and everything all layered in, he would come to us with a, with a bit more of uh, where he wanted to go with it. Um, so they definitely became... Um, well, they were members of the band, and yeah, um, yeah. and we couldn't have got that what we got out of the album without them being there and being basically uh, treated as such. You know, not just um, oh, you you know, you're you're just producing, you're just pressing the record yeah, button, yeah, yeah. and you know, to get usually get no direction from someone in the studio is a horrible thing to do when you have to rely on yourselves mm -hmm. and no one giving you the feedback there, and it was just constantly there. That's good, man. Yeah, like I said, I, I watched um, some of the recording, and it was it was very um, inclusive of everybody, which is which is really cool. Um, yeah, that's cool, man. All right, so um, as like a, as an amateur producer myself, man, I, lo I love that stuff, having focus and being able to be pushed in different directions that you never thought never thought of, and having extra ideas and just like building up on it. It's always great, isn't it? Oh, look, yeah, yeah. especially with you know even bands that you meet, and you know the. The more people you come in and you, you do stuff for, they, they take you into directions that you never thought, you know, you walked in there probably with an idea of how you're going to do an album. And then the, the guy recording it, it, it can just be half a sentence that he says that, that really hits home to you. Um, and it can really change an entire album um, yeah, and the final product too. So, Yeah, absolutely first album to come out with you boys um we've got um james and chris in the studio today to uh talk a little bit more about the album those three tracks there good hard-hitting um section there i mentioned that i like the uh intro to release from agony with the drum start start off there we we're having a bit more of a chat about you know the dynamics behind the behind the songs what's it like with writing that sort of um those sort of tracks you said that darren's got a lot of input towards the composure of how everything goes together I think a lot of our songs sort of start with Tim and Toby coming to us with, with ideas and with their riffs and we're trying to figure it out. But um, Darren has this unique ability that he'll take on board everything that's presented to him and then he'll just deconstruct it and just you know twist it around and um, reorganise it and we'll just do that continuously until we've got something that's more or less refined and then it just becomes a... Uh, yeah, that natural organic evolution of a song when you've got to that 80 90 percent sort of mm. level yeah it didn't even darren initially didn't even have the drums right at the the start of that song i think it was just started with uh tim on guitar mm. and then he came in and it was just he come up with this um middle bit where it just broke broke right down and uh darren just started playing these drums in there and 
and sort of halfway through it, she's like, no, no, we should do that from the beginning, mm. you know. And so it, it so it just carries through the so- in and out through the song, rather, you know, it's just sort of like a chorus, I suppose, in a way with with Darren on the drums. Like he just brings that extra element that makes the drums sing through the music of what we do. And um, you know, it's usually a, you know people think of drums as maybe a backing element um, these days, and mm-hmm. you, you're finding that even with. Uh, with recording albums, you know, the vocals are just like, you know, pop production, you know, push so far forward. But mm. then as the recording goes on, more instruments, guitars sort of come in. The If you're actually listening really close to it, the drums sort of seem to get lost in a mix. Um, so we, we sort of went around it the opposite way and just mm. made made a, you know, the, the drum is just as prominent as where the, where the vocals should be sitting and just that slight little bit forward, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, you know, metal bands have always been, you know, guitars, 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 you know, like, look, we've got two fantastic and phenomenal guitarists in our band that work really well together, but um, the, all the elements are there just because of the recording and how crisp and sharp things can be. Mm. You capture that anyway without having to really go over the top on the uh, recording element of things. Yeah, man. No, that's like, a, like you mentioned before. Um, it's just good to bring all the drums up. They're just as much of a centerpiece um, as all the as all the other instruments, um, and also with the um, with the guitars, you, like you've got, as you said, traditionally metal t- tends to be very heavy in the in the guitars. Um, but yeah, there's some good inflections there where you can like the the guitar comes out, shines through, and then every and then the drums might step forward, and then like vocals come through. It's a good mix. Oh, look, we had a lot of fun doing it, you know. And then when even uh, you know three quarters of the way through the recording, getting stuff um, basically mastered as we we're recording it, you know, like they were going through and mixing and mastering it along the way rather than leaving it all to the end. Mm. And, um, yeah, got to a point where we got pulled aside by David and Jack and just like, right, guys, you can't go any higher with the drums. Um, you've actually pushed it that that far. We can't actually go up any more volume, so you can actually have to start sort of pulling everything else back in the music mm. because mm. every time we hear it, we're just like, no, nah, no, nah, want those kicks punching through more, want yeah, it more, yeah. want it more. Um, but... It, I think we were sort of greedy in a way by always <laughs> wanting wanting it louder. But we've we basically got it to a point where the album, you put it in after anything, aside from a big studio, mm. just comes out the level quality of it. Yeah, um, we've we've basically gone as as far as recording can go um, without getting into a really a big situation, which yeah. means big money, big yeah, dollars, yeah. and um, yeah, something that we. Uh, I'd I'd sort of shy away from because the the smaller um, the sm- smaller little studios these days, everyone they've got um, so much you can get so much different sound out of the little studios mm. and probably better better quality these days you know with the equipment that you can get is just amazing. I think it's just that that level of intimacy a smaller studio <clears throat> gives you gives you that you know a much tighter relationship with the people you're working with to actually pull everything together to deliver what you want. I mean, when we've walked in with Dave and Jack, we said, you know, our goal is not to, well, to get as close as possible to our live sound and our live set. But we want to come across as a, a single audio unit. But we also wanted people 
to be able to sit there and pull out individual instruments. You know, I'm a bassist, I like to focus on bass. Toby's a guitarist, he likes to focus on guitar. So we wanted to give those people, um, when they listen to the album, that opportunity to listen to it as a whole, but then also pull apart those individuals. And Jack and, um, and David just did a fantastic job in delivering that. Yeah, yeah. No, like you mentioned before, um, during the uh, during the tracks, they've um, their studio is called the studio. So yeah. it was cool to um, actually go down and check out the studio and watch you guys record, um, and also see the expertise behind, and also all the, the mechanics behind an album. Like that's the first time I've watched like a band record. I've seen bands jam and like all that sort of stuff, but that extra layer of like re-recording, retaking, changing levels, things like that. It um, definitely opens up the eyes to how much work goes into putting out an album um and you know the skill required to get to that level the progression that i've seen from you guys like since you started playing live to to putting out an album is like really really rapid and i think that has a lot to do with the level of experience in the band and the, the amount of the amount of takes and the amount of like effort just to sort of go into the studio you can't go in just oh yeah we're going into a studio yeah you know let's pay the money get it done like we really had to sort of practice make sure everything worked right you know and everything was structured right before we went in there and you got two three months before you actually even can say you're ready to go into a studio um you can't if you go in there you basically um without that sort of background behind you you're wasting people's time Hmm. money effort you know um everyone gets sort of well, that's where bands sort of split up the most you know you get, yeah. them, you get them in a studio yep. and it, it, it can really fall apart really quick if you don't have things under control like you you want things to be as oh look you know we just went in there oh we just set up rocked it out walked out and someone pressed some buttons and it's definitely not that it's not it's that uh it, it it's it, it is work you know it is hard work I mean, it's particularly hard for Toby and Tim being not only their first band, and it's actually their first recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're phenomenal guitarists, but not having recorded before, it's a lot of pressure. But having the um, the experience and background that we have with Darren, with Jamie, myself, with Dave, I think it made it a lot easier for those guys to transition into that environment and just to help them to relax so they could then focus on playing and not have on the back of their mind, I'm recording, I'm recording. Mm. Um, it just made them feel more, much more comfortable. And I think it allowed them to deliver a much better product. Well, it was after the second day. It was just like <laughs> Tim and Toby had, had, had basically learnt what can be done, what can't be done, drop-ins, you know, things like that. I think the first two, two days, two full days, so it's like 16 hours worth of work, I think they deleted in the end and just redid it all. Um, they're just like, no, nah, now that we know where we're going. And mm. so, but we were lucky with um, Dave and Jack by allowing us to have that time to, to do it because they wanted the best product to, to shine through for what they're doing because um, they're still, you know, they're still reasonably uh, new studio in the mm. scene mm. and um, they're trying to diversify so much, you know, because like, they do a whole lot more other than just recording, you know, they do video stuff as well, um, you know, and editing as well, you know, video editing and things like that as well for sort of orchestras and other live things around town, so. 
Yeah, enough of my time goes into audio editing for, you know, certain things like this and, and some of my other projects. I can't imagine the amount of time involved in video editing. <laughs> oh, look, at, yeah, look, that's well, yeah, funny you mentioned that. <laughs> that's, that's sort of where we're going to go next, you know, like we're going to, we're actually going to get them to do, shoot a video for us as well. Um, but hopefully we don't have the, the bad luck, like, we started off and the recording was great and then get a phone call from David, <laughs> studio's flooded. Like you, when you came in there, I think there was a vocal booth and yeah, you yeah. know, that's all gone. Like um, that ended up being in, you know, I ended up, that ended up being in the cupboard basically now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We ripped the doors, had to rip the doors off that because it basically flooded through there. So carpet came up in between mm. sort of what we were doing and things had to get moved around and changed. It was lucky we already had all the drums and everything done. And it was only, um, yeah, it was mainly just the guitaring and bass getting done mm. at the time. So, um, and yeah, we were very lucky that everyone brought all their equipment home as well and nothing was damaged in there. But it just, you know, took a good two, three weeks out of what we were trying to do. Yep. Um, it's probably a good little pause for us to have, mm. you know, like... Um, yeah, something very unexpected, but... Uh, yeah, actually, I did see that on the social media as well, like some of the, the photos and things that just after it flooded. I'm like, man, that's just how it is, isn't it? Like, just expect something like that to come up midway through recording, um, force you to take a breather, I guess. But um, it seems like it all got sort of returned back all pretty well after that. So It was a lot of work for, for Dave and Jack. I yep. mean, I remember the first message that came through was like, guys, we've got a bad news, the studio's flooded. Don't worry, the hard drives are all okay, the music's good. We're just going to take a couple of weeks to recarpet, relay everything. Yeah. They didn't have that much damage to their equipment, a little bit, but not much. Yeah. But their main concern was, you know, obviously all the hard drives and everything to make sure they hadn't lost our stuff and all the other products that they yeah. had. Oh, so they're doing three or four other bands and as well. D- yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, like they're, they're very, they're very busy because, you know, we, you know, we all got jobs and, you know, so to try and make get in on weekends where we, you know, where we've got available two shift workers in a band, you know, mm. trying to trying to get those guys to just meet up at the right time. And yeah. so, you know, it was it was more of an in and out. We did, you know, if we did it in a big block, could have done it, had two weeks and been done and dusted. Smashed whereas, it, out, uh, yeah. it, you know, started at the dead end of October and didn't sort of get out until sort of the towards mid-February, I think it was. So, yeah, end of Feb. So, yeah, so nearly three three months, you know, like, yeah, get a bit, get a bit tired of hearing the music by that time, but <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, a, that's probably the hardest thing is, you know, having to constantly have ears to analyse what you do because it's so easy to, to hear something back, and go, oh, that's all right, you know, without what am I concentrating on, mm, you know? Mm. Shit, I was supposed to be, uh, I was supposed to be listening to the bass or I was supposed to be listening to the guitar. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, you're there thinking thinking about the next gig that's coming up, you know? And you, you, you can just get sidetracked so easy, yeah, yeah. you know? And especially when you spend so much time in one room. Exactly, man. And you guys recorded that um, in some of the hotter months in summer, wasn't it, or around yeah, that yeah. time? Yeah, we started in December or went over the Christmas period and, yeah. and plugged on through to, to the end of Feb. Yeah, that's right. I, actually, I think I remember uh, when when I got there, one of the boys' phone overheated while you're in the studio because yeah. uh, it's waterproof. I come, come, I walk up over the hill and down towards the studio and he's washing his phone under a tap. He said, oh, I'm just trying to cool it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, Darren got in and out as quick as he could, you know, like, uh, yeah, so, so watch your, your own drummer, yeah, let alone any drummer do 
you know, play 10 songs from start to finish. Um, he, he did the whole album in, you know, in Two one. Days. Yeah, did first take, six hours, 10 tracks. Mm. And, you know, they were pretty much... Like they were good enough to use um, yeah. for the for the entirety of the album. David turned around. And it's like, right, boys, what are you doing tomorrow? It's like yeah. oh, nothing, nothing now. You know, we're booked in for two days of drums. Darren, well, let's come in tomorrow and do it again. Yeah, you can see everyone sort of <laughs> drop their shoulders a little bit. Um, but I think there were three songs that we came out with from the second studio take yep. that were just sort of the. Look, there was nothing wrong with either of the t- takes. It was just one just had a felt a little bit more natural than the than the first day. Um, you know, the studio could have actually gone ahead and said, "Right, drums are done. Next let's, one. Ne- let's, let's move to the next level." I think Darren was glad. You know, two days, two solid days of nothing but drums, mm. and you know, mm. ten tracks over and over again for two days. Mm. I think. Yeah, once he'd finished that, he was he was out of there. He was yeah. happy. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see him for three weeks. <laughs> Just like, no, nah, see you later. I'm out. Yeah. Here. I'm gone. You know. So uh, yeah, he, he needed that break. He was mentally just drained. He yeah, needed man. that break from. Which was good because the boys are able to get in the guitars and start doing their stuff. Yeah, yeah. He came back in with a fresh set of ears. Not done like that. We need to fix this. So that was a, a good opportunity to get him to you know. Get some downtime and and re-energize. Oh, look, he was playing as well. He was doing all the you know the Guns and Roadkill shows, the bloody Motley Crue shows, even a bit of Michael Jackson in there as well. You know, yeah, yeah. He, was, he, he was at the time when he when we did this, he was just busy in so many other different Elements things. As you well, know, yeah. like just being a drummer. You know, I think he did a Metallica um, night as well. Played played the Metallica drums for one of the nights. Yeah, and I think around that same time. I think he's got another one coming up soon as well. So, um, yeah, he's got that. And like you know, we, we used to do the old Pantera nights for about five six years. You know, like so. Uh, there's nothing much you can't throw in front of him. You know, mm. you just uh, give him some jazz, give him some blue. He, he'll just rock it out. And and uh, but he'll always be the first one. To go oh. Oh, I don't. I'm not. Don't know. I don't remember how this goes. And you just look at him, and you're just like, "You're gonna nail it." <laughs> you know? And he just starts off, and yeah, he nails it. Remembers everything. Remembers all the changes better than everyone else. So, I'd hate to be inside his brain in a, in a way because he just knows there's so much different things that are going on inside of there. Oh man, dude's a machine. We'll kick off another um, block of tracks. Uh, this one here's got uh, three more tracks from the album. Perfectly spaced album with 10 tracks there. We get to have, uh, you know, one at the top and three blocks of three, so. Well, this sort of, yeah, it's sort of interesting to sort of see the way it's sort of set out here now because it uh, starts off with a sort of like a bit of an an epic tale and then uh, comes into two more of the, the poppier side of the album before we sort of heavy it up and bring it back out so I uh, hope you guys enjoy this little next three because um, it's got a bit of everything of what we all do in here exactly man no that's that's what I like to hear um, good display of everybody's talents as we mentioned before in the show we've got the guys from Clarity Chaos here in the studio to run through the tracks this is a special edition of the show going through all of the uh, all of the tracks from the album and giving a bit more of a breakdown on each track individually as we um, were during the break there we'll chatting about the fade out on reach out there that you guys just heard and uh, we spoke earlier in the show about Darren's drumming that fade out on the tracks there this nice little slow outro there whose idea was it to put that in on the end that was a suggestion by dave um original idea was you know the the guitars and the bass will follow all the way through we have that big crescendo at the end 
And Dave said, look, guys, I've just got this idea. I just wanted, you know, the drumming is just such a prevalent part of this song. I want to bring that to the fore. How about we fade the drums, uh, fade the guitars and bass and everything out and just finish with the drums on its own? And everyone's a bit dubious of it at first, but then, you know, Dave's done his magic and um, we had to listen to it and, yeah, just fell in love with the idea. Yeah, it was a great thing to great thing to hear a song you know a song fade out to drums you know like usually it start you know you can have a drum starting it off you know guitars tailing it out or you know and then it was just like, uh, do something a little bit different something that people probably haven't heard before and because uh, it, it was a bit of a um we did it as an extended sort of end to sort of begin with you know like to sort of to sort of build out the song a little bit more and sort of to sort of maybe bleed into another song straight away or we were sort of unsure on... Yeah, we did the extended ending on that. I think it's about two or three times longer than what we do live because um, we weren't too sure how we wanted to end the song. But then, yeah, Dave had that idea and just put, took it into a, a new direction. Nice. Perfect, man. I feel like um, the way that you guys are open for the suggestions and things like that, it, it adds to the um, the overall product. And him be, and and Dave as a producer being able to work with you guys to change up the sound obviously has some great results. Oh, look, even look, there's, there's so many uh, instrument swapping actually going on, especially between Tim and Toby. Like you know, egos were left at the door, mm. and it was just you know. Tim would go to Toby. Oh, geez, you, you play that 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 section. You play more solid than me. Here, grab my guitar. You do it. Mm. Um, and this was going backwards and forwards for a couple of days. Like, and they're just passing the, their guitars set up for for themselves. You know, back and forwards between each other, and just going. No, you, you articulate that. Just it, it just sounds so much better when when you do it. So um, yeah, there's every there's not comp, it's not compromising. It was just. Everyone was just there for the, for the best end product, yep. you know, and and you get some people that um, I've worked with in the past that are just like, no, no, that's my bit. That mm, you, you, mm. You're, you're not even you commenting on it. It's even offending me. And it's mm. like you, I, people are going to hear things differently and understand things differently. And we're all we're all different. I think so yeah. um, the main drive we had is we wanted to put out the best thing we could as a band. And as Jamie said, you know, egos were left at the door. If someone could do something a fraction better, then that's what we did. Yeah. Because it was it, it's a you know we work as a unit and it's bigger than the individual. Oh look, you know, I can't get up and do the whole James Dame experience <laughs> out there. And uh, oh, Christ, I can't play everything. I'm not an octopus. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it, 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 it would be nice, but you know, like. Um, yeah, there's a couple of times where I've been asked by different people because they know that I, you know, play a bit of bass and play a bit of guitar, and that you know, it's very nice that they've asked me to come along and do things with them. But it's just like, no, I'm a, I've got to have my main focus on my vocals, you know, mm. like cause that's where where I'm probably the most comfortable, and I've pushed myself to be a a singer and a vocalist because, um, you know, suffered very badly from anxiety, uh, public speaking, um, used to stammer quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, I just forced myself into positions which made me, um, basically pushed me out there and made made myself do it, you know, mm. um, rather than going, oh, I've, I've got these issues, you know. I, I actually confronted those and made them, you know, made it a really big wall to climb. But now that I've got there, um, you know, it was only up until about five, ten years ago that I stopped throwing up before I actually even went on stage because I'd get that nervous and um, 
people you already you know said to me is like no you, you come across so confident you mm-hmm. know and it's like no a lot of people have a lot of different things to, to hide behind um you there's not actually that many people that are, are that confident in getting up in front of a, a room full of people and especially putting out original music um and it's even more killer when you actually get up there and you know covers nights like you know you're doing someone else's that everyone knows the lyrics to or yeah, everyone yeah. knows exactly how that song begins and ends um so yeah you expose yourself even more on those nights so i mean i've only ever known you as the front man for the bands you know like i, I wasn't around for systematic i mean there's a bent i think we spoke about this previously on the show there's a bent cable tray at transit bar to show everybody you know how rowdy some of the sets can get <laughs> yeah well that was that was a fun night you know we, we, we were just basically at that point that the band was hitting its straps you know we we just brought out our song systematic at the time and it's one of those songs it's got a it's a metal song but it's got a dance beat you know mm. um going through it and you'd have people jumping around thinking it was sort of half hip-hop half rap half metal um and that night, yeah, I was basically hanging upside down off the cable tray at the roof until I felt it bloody uh, sort of jag and pull down. But it was great because I had that many people in front of me. I couldn't have hit the floor if I tried. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a, had a great support network that night. And, um, and, yeah, most of them looked quite comfortable to lounge on, actually. They look, they <laughs> That's it, man. Like you said before, we got some experience in the band. I know that um, I've had you in on the show for Knights of the Spatchcock previously. Um, first time you ever came on the show was from from nights um and then had you earlier with um clarity chaos not long after you um had first played and over the duration of just how long i've been running canberra metalheads i've seen um you guys progress with clarity chaos and i think that now you've sort of um bedded your um your appearance as clarity chaos i think that for a long time you're remembered as knights of the spatchcock before that you had systematic but now you um everyone knows that this is your new project and this is what you're doing yeah yeah like as when i first came in like i said with uh with knights you know that was just a a short little uh entry into the rock and roll sort of side of things and yep. i think there was more to uh there was another th- another thing of my own probably my own um you could say ego i suppose just going well see a lot of rock and roll singers out there and shit i can do that Mm. so um and it was just lucky that a band came around at the right time Mm -hmm. with that sort of um wealth of experience that i look for you know like with with great great musicians in it always um yeah i don't know where i found it always with great guitarists um i've seemed to have stumbled across them nearly in every band i've had is had identifying really great guitarists that have sort of held up in quite quite high esteem in the whole local scene so uh it was interesting to sort of go into the rock and roll sort of side of things and then now getting back into the metal um basically something that i've been passionately doing for 20 odd years so um yeah it's never gonna don't think it's gonna end actually so man why should it such a good thing um, and Chris, I've, this is the first time I've had you on the show, but we've been buddies for years. I remember um, first seeing you with um, Rain of Terror yep. um, previously, and you'd played bass with those guys for a, for a long time. I joined Rain of Terror back in 2004. Yep. 
they were they were my first band, and um, I think my first gig with them was the the very night that Rock Ape closed. So that yeah. was a, a good introduction to, to playing live on stage. <laughs> yeah. So you were there. So yeah. That was your first one. That was my very first show. Yeah, that was the first systematic show. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. So yeah, that so, was, that so was yeah, it. I think you know, reggae is the only original. I think I had to. I'm the second longest serving member. Yep. Um, I took a about I think about. 2015, 2016, I had to take a 12-month sabbatical. And then during that time, Jamie asked me to um, to come across and listen to some of the scratch tracks he had for Clarity, mm-hmm. and they just hooked me in. I think I, we played the first song, and I said, yeah, I'm in. He said, you sure? Well, I've got like three or four more tracks. No, no, you got me. It's good. <laughs> um, and then that refired me up for, for, for Reign of Terror. Mm. Um, but with a young family trying to run two bands at the same time just wasn't... Yep. wasn't doable yeah yeah um uh, where i'd progress musically and where where my heart was was with with clarity so you know i um i stepped down from rain mm-hmm. and by that stage we had michael arnold as second guitar but he also plays bass yeah so he was able to, to fill in my spot there mm-hmm. which was quite lucky because uh one of the first shows we were supposed to play together down the coast i ended up in hospital with a kidney stone so you know Two days before the show, he learnt the entire set on bass to fill in. Yeah, right. Um, and he could do the job. And so I thought it just felt it was time to, you know, I've left my legacy with that band and it's just time to walk away and yep. let that band develop. And it allowed me to um, focus more on clarity to, you know, as you said before, you know, feel comfortable, develop that identity mm-hmm. and to and to move on. Absolutely, man. Well, um, you time's not forgotten with uh, Rain of Terror and as well as I know that um, Michael's doing a really good job um, in the in the bass section as well, so, uh, picking it all up and kicking it off. And like I said, man, the way that you fit into Clarity, it's best of both worlds. And I know that certain gigs, I've seen you guys both playing on the same bill, which is cool. I think it was um, even mentioned one time, like the Battle of the Bands with like the, yeah. you know, Clarity of Chaos and Reign of Terror on the same bill, you know, with... with um, yeah, Clarity versus Terror. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, uh, the social media... Uh, Sparring, shall we say, between reggae and myself with the, the cheesiest posters and new versus old. Yeah. That, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that's it, man. Well, I've, I, I remember some of the early days of Brain of Tarot. Um, Lucky and I used to go to the basement and watch you guys play. And um, I knew reggae and I um, sort of didn't really know any other members. And um, I'm like, man, how hectic that, that like crazy looking viking dude with the warwick base and the labyrinth tattoo on his on his biceps gonna be and then once i get to know it's just like oh he's just chilled man i thought he was gonna be hectic because it's just like <laughs> up on the stage you're like that dude could just throwing around that massive base it'd take it out of you you know like carrying that thing on stage it's like yeah yeah definitely the uh the corvette's about 5.2 kilo of timber yeah the the buzzard's about 4.4.8 yep and the and the warwick's uh beautiful base to play love playing them um, but yeah, they're, they're big slabs of timber. They don't move. Yeah. And uh, you know, when you're a three piece, and your vocalist is your lead guitarist, you as a bass player, you got to hold your bottom end, but you also got to you know have that stage presence to keep everyone entertained because you can't just stand there and do nothing. Yeah. And the number of times I've woken up the next day after a show and just giving myself whiplash. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> thankfully, I'm getting a bit too old for that now, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just dance around and starfish behind me and the bass comes out here and there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got to watch that with the... Uh, with the nature shock, it's a bit too pointy. Yeah. Oh, look, if you, you turn around, you know, you know, 
got a you know left-handed bass player and a right-handed guitarist, you know, and you, you stand in between it sometimes. You just go, oh, Christ, I could get impaled here pretty damn. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah man. So like we said before, you're a left-hand bass player as yep. well, which is cool to see on on stage because you got two right guitars on either side and then bass in the middle floating between James and then occasionally over to one side. It adds to the aesthetic of the, the stage show. And also the mentioned before that you got like the Warwick bass. Have you always played Warwick? Warwick's, um, I picked up the Corvette as a second hand, and it was actually my second bass. The first one was an Ibanez, it was a right five. Mm-hmm. So I did a, a Hendrix on it and flipped it over. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, the weight was all wrong. Yeah. It just kept neck diving, and the tone and volume controls were in the wrong spot. So mm-hmm. as I was playing it, the tone would change and the volume would go down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did a couple shows like that and had enough, went in, found this Warwick second hand, and yeah, just fell in love with them. Um, brought the the buzzard sight unseen. I said, this is the one I want. Got through better music and got that in. Um, and then, yeah, so about every five or so years, I get the itch to buy a new bass. Hmm. So that's when I um, found a guy in Germany who was selling off that nature shock, the, the Randy Rhodes Flying V, mm-hmm. as a lefty five. And uh, the argument I made to the wife was I wanted to retire the buzzard because Warwick don't make that anymore. And she's gone, but then you're going to replace it with this this custom Flying V bass. Yes, and. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, now I've got the itch to, to move on to something else. Uh, but that also coincides with a, 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 um, a medical issue that I'm sort of dealing with. Uh, I've lost a bit of sensitivity in my hands hmm. and feet, and I need to move from a, a 35 scale neck down to a shorter scale neck, like a 31 or 32, mm-hmm. just to... Um, try and you know be able to keep playing to the standard that we're playing at mm-hmm. the longer scale necks are just sort of a bit of an impact at the moment but it's always interesting to try and you know do your best on stage when you you can't feel your hands you can't feel the strings and i can't feel what's underneath my feet some shows so yeah, right. that's why i'm a little bit more static on some shows than others yeah, it's been a bit of a hard run for you actually the last six months so and it's sort of it's hard to see when when a band member is actually going through something like that and you know the the guitarists are sort of moving in such a way that it's, uh, they're moving in leaps and bounds, like technically and musically. Mm. And it's, you know, you you see Chris worked, you know, worked through through it, get get one 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 song down, and they're like, then they come in with, with another three, and it's just like just settle down, you know. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, look, you know, Chris has had this for for, for a bit now, and it. Uh, but it's been been fantastic. Like you know, um, both Tim and Toby, you know, they 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 rally right behind Chris and and just go right. Look, you know, how can we can we do things differently? Can we maybe you know? And everyone's sort of been working, you know, with it to sort of uh, go. Look, we can we can we can do this instead of um, this big long scale over here. And it, it's it's actually brought a bit of uh, better songwriting, I think, to the band. It has. It's uh, you know trying to keep up with Tim and Toby's. It's a tall order. Yep. You know, the, both those boys are big. I'm, I'm sort of on the smaller scale of things. So trying to stretch across the fretboard to match what they're doing is hard enough to start with. Mm. Uh, but then, you know, with this issue with the, the loss of the, the sensitivity and dexterity, we've had to rethink a few things and change the way I play, um, which, as Jamie said, it's just um, allowed us to do a better songwriting. So like, what can I do that complements and fits in with what the guitarists would do without taking anything away hmm. from the song as a whole and add to it. So it's allowed us to explore a few different things. 
Perfect, man. Well, it definitely doesn't show in the stage show. Don't pick up on that sort of stuff until like until you mention it. So it's not really slipping anything through the cracks, which is good to know. It's good to be able to um, have the ability to you know alterate the configuration so that everyone can still get the best out of it we were talking in the break there about the long the long scream there that uh james does with rise was it like a 21 second scream when, yeah. when you tried it out yeah we we went and um cut it down because uh yeah it, it did go sort of through the through this whole sort of section and yeah, it was, I started it off as a bit of a joke, you know, like because um, the sound guy was turning around and looking at me when I was screaming, and uh, I didn't quite get there. And then and I said, oh, I've got to redo it. It's got to go for another eight bars longer. And he, and he sort of, you know, just turned back around, didn't sort of really jack, didn't really sort of take much notice of what I was saying until he actually pressed the record button again, and then I did it. Um, but in the end, we had, we ended up going with one uh, quite a bit shorter. I think it only goes for about 12, 12 seconds rather than 20. Yeah, it's about half the time. Yeah, because yep. um, it really, it, it, you sort of follow that and you it, it takes away a lot of what the, the musicianship that's going on behind yep. it. You, the vocals, you know, people sort of seem to focus in on that. And the reality of going, got to do this live. Um, really did dig in. Well, we, we played with a couple of options, keeping the original 21 seconds in there, yep. then uh, having it to fade out about the halfway point or just going with that, the final scream that we went with. Yep. And again, the overall package was what we focused on and yep. the final, um, what we put in there as the final is what we were most happy with. Excellent, man. So um, as we mentioned before the break, you've got a gig coming up with Festival All Sorts on the... 11th of May. That's where you'll be dropping the physical release of this album. I've got got a copy here ready to rock um, in the studio that we've been playing from. Got some pretty cool artwork, and I know that you guys have uh, tried a, a bunch of different ideas for, for how you're going to do the art and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think finally when this came through, it was Chris that um, sorted it all out. How, where did that all come from? Um, many, many hours and many, many evenings of trying different things and different ideas. I think I ended up producing about six or eight uh, complete packages, so front art, rear art, inside, mm-hmm. left and right, and CDs, and taking on board different ideas from what you know the other boys were saying and trialling different things. One of the big drivers for me is you know, the final song on the album, Bring Back the Tide. Yep. And James had a really good idea, which I tried doing, which was you know, a big tidal wave coming in, mm-hmm. wiping out a city. And then listening to the lyrics of the songs and not just bring back the tie, but the other songs. And, you know, I just happened to have a really nice photo, which I turned into the turned into the Kraken on the front and tried to pull in some more sort of, you know, subtle references to the other tracks and just build an entire sort of, basically an entire story, really. Um, but then doing nice little things where the original artwork for the front and rear was a two-page two spread. Yep. So if you look at the CD itself, actually you open it up, it covers right over unbroken. Mm-hmm. And I then I tried to do the same on the inside. But it's just, it was a, a, an evolution. I think I racked up about 800 odd images all up on the phone. Yep. Oh, look, we were seeing something um, pretty much every every three or four days, Chris was coming up with something different. And look, we, you know, we even um, we even ended up with a different logo for the band out of this as well. Like, because it had been, been going, like Chris had been sort of, likes to sort of tinker around on this sort of stuff a fair bit and um yeah and we we send sort of you know 
sort of funny sort of images backwards and forwards as band usually does and um, on our little group chats that we all have and yeah it just um, it didn't come out of oh we've got to change our logo of what it used to be to it just sort of over a couple of weeks it just it just changed and evolved to something new I think that came originally from a, a poster someone else did where they just whacked it a, a logo that was similar to it yeah, they had issues with the, the image we sent down for our earlier logo, so they just changed the font and came up with something simple. And I think I just filed that away in the back of my mind. Um, during the recording process, I designed a couple other different logos which mm. weren't going anywhere, so yep. then I recalled this idea, that, that, that memory, and just tried a few different things. And um, Same with the, the final artwork itself was an evolution where different elements were pulled from failed concepts yep. and just reworked them into different ways until we got that, that final product that you know I was happy with and then then presenting it in such a way that the rest of the boys were happy with. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that, that's exactly... It's come out really well and uh, I think it's a good reflection of all the tracks. We'll have to wrap it up with um, just some more information about printing of the CDs. There are yeah, printing... Yeah, look, um, yeah, it went somewhere different to where I'd usually gone in the past, you know, usually gone with a couple of different places uh, up in Sydney. Um, and uh, just, you know, just through scouring around... Um, I ended up going. Um, we ended up going through Replicate down in Melbourne. I think they're based in Richmond down there. A little family business. Um, like you know, got, initially got their quote, and I nearly fell over backwards. Like cause I, was just, I was expecting nearly something twice as much um, to sort of come back um, cost-wise, you know. And I was sort of thinking, you know, this is is this because I haven't done it for printed up anything for seven years or eight years with a band or. Um, but it, then the more I sort of looked into them, um, they seemed to be the one to go with. And we had a couple of issues sort of regarding just even, you know, just getting our stuff formatted right or in just dropping it into their um, their templates, templates that they had. Mm. And so, you know, as soon as I got that back, me and Chris sort of linked up an email back together with them. And look, they were just wonderful to work with. And we, we sort of set a date, um, you know, of the 19th of April. I'd like this product to be here a good three weeks before um, before we really need them. Mm. And um, yeah, look, every, everything everything they said they'd do, they basically they did. And um, even even the packaging came up better than what I'd even thought, you know, because. Yeah, yeah. um, it, it it's sort of hard to sort of go oh we'll go gloss we'll go you know yeah, we yeah. ended up just going a nice matte and I think that sort of highlighted and um, made the artwork sort of pop a little bit better. It does look good, yeah. I really like the the matte on the purple for the front cover. Really gives um, there's like obviously that Nautic feel to it. Obviously, you're drawn from the influence of Bring Back the Tide yeah, as well. That and Forgive and Forget, you yep. know, like because that's sort of more of a an old sort of. A, uh, a Vikingy sort of song where you know people were people were crossing the world to fight, you know, like they were, you know, they were, they were there to conquer worlds and you know just take everything to make their own their own lives bigger and better. And um, so you know, there's a couple of concepts I suppose that go through the album with that as well. You know, with the other side and release from agony and you know it's dealing with um, loss and death and um, yeah, basically how people can make you feel. Um, yep. and, and it does sort of the whole album sort of um, it blended all well together sort of it sort of when I sort of look at it now as a, a lyricist and a, a songwriter I sort of 
you know, it could have come out of one concept. This whole this whole album, and I could I could nearly write a book about you know with all of these things in it, and it mm. would probably make sense. You know? Yeah, and, dude. Uh, the track listing and everything flows like you said. You've got everyone's adequately represented throughout the entire album. It's a really good showpiece for uh, for your first first album. Thank you. So that one there, you can, um, as we mentioned before, is the album physical album launch at the basement on the 11th of May for Festival All Sorts. Yep. yep. Um, and also you've got a digital release as well. That's right. Um, 1st of May, digital release uh, across 150 platforms, so all the major ones. Yep. So, you know, Amazon, Spotify, yeah, all uh, the... iTunes, all those big yep. ones. Um, but the full listing, because we went through CD Baby. Yeah, and they and... basically, they cover everything. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, there's some hoops actually, you know, you don't realise on how far all digital music and how big that format actually is. Like, the amount of the amount of forms and things you have to fill in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as soon as you think you're done, they send you back or something more, else going, more, oh, more. this now needs to get done. Yep. And then <laughs> you send that back and, uh, you know, walk downstairs, right, just done this, guys. Bang, another email. This is urgent. Now, now you're dealing with, you know, taxation for America. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, I think dealing with someone like CD Baby, because they cover so many platforms where people uh, can get the music from, is great because a lot of people are creatures of habit. They will only go to one provider. Yeah. And yep. the number of questions I've had from people say, is it on this? Is it on that? Yeah. And it's like, yes, it it's is. It's everywhere. People like CD Baby, you don't have to think. You don't have to pick and choose. Yeah. Um, so it gives you probably the widest coverage possible. It'll be interesting to see whether we actually get anything back from it, <laughs> apart from paying them a fee to do it all for us. Like, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting, you know, like because this is, you know, for me, it's always been the, always about the hard product, you yeah, know, like... Yep. Um, I've I've got cupboards full of CDs like the the wealth of um, just Canberra music that I actually have just in, in in one buffet at home is unbelievable and it's it's great because look you, it, things can crash you can lose your phones you can you know you can download this stuff as much as you want but if you've actually got a, a physical product and this is where I sort of a little bit old school in a way I like to actually have something I can have in my hand. Mm. Um, and if I if it does you know if, if you know you lose lose your phone or whatever you can always whack this on your computer and uh, pop it on your new phone. Um, yep. So um, yeah, exactly. So it's been a whole new yeah you know, whole new ground for me and you know but you've got to be out there you've got to be on these digital platforms to sort of to be heard and to be noticed um, especially when you're coming from nowhere um, you're not a you're not signed to a big label that's going to get you to all of these platforms yeah. as well um no i 100 um, agree with that i'm about physicals i know jay's the same as well big time um and it's good to be able to see a physical product in in front of us and be able to um make it available for everyone else to purchase so uh yeah like i said i love my digital platforms you know for when you're on the go and things like that but um i'm always going to also have a physical version of of the album well i've actually um just going through my some records because i was just changing around a couple of rooms in the house and I was spewing I didn't have this a couple of months ago because I found an old Voivod record like and it would have been I think the, I think it was their second album that they ever released and I was like 
got this on vinyl, you know. I, I would have actually loved to have been at the show and dropped it in front of the guys and go and sign this, you know, because yeah. it would have been shit. They, they wouldn't have seen that probably, you know, since probably a couple of years after they'd done yeah, it. They yeah. probably, that sort of started to fade out already when um, all the CDs sort of started kicking in, you know, and uh, everyone got rid of vinyl for 10, 15 years and now it's becoming a big resurgence mm. again. Yeah, but mo- most things are still limited <clears throat> releases anyway. Mm. E- even in the vinyl realm, most people are trying to do like minimum runs and it's more of a collector's piece and then they'll like re-release it with something different each time oh. and that, that, that gives a, re- a resale value to that piece because it becomes a piece in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the way that it's, that it's moving along. Yeah, um, look, I, I loved it. As soon as I saw, saw vinyl sort of coming back, you know, and I was like, I'm glad I didn't just didn't get rid of it. You know, like there's some, some of the sort of like the early Metallica albums, you know, that were before repressing and because, mm. you know, they a lot of these albums got a lot bigger than the bands themselves, you know, and they lost a lot of control over, you know, where it was going and how it was doing it, you know, and there'll be something if we ever get to the point of... Uh, having to repress these, we, we're definitely going to make a change in the cover. Hmm. Or, you know, there's going to be something on there that wasn't on the first one, which make the f- first 500 at least unique to the people that were there supporting the band right from the beginning. You know? yeah, exactly, man. And I'm glad that, you know, we're part of that original uh, 500. I've seen you guys start from the beginning to now, which is really cool. And I can tell that that trajectory of growth is only going to keep going with the with the release so really good to have you on the show and um you know talk through the album we've had you in here before um had james in here before with band before you had um as many gigs under your belt and things like that so it's good to be able to uh to revisit it oh it's great to network you know especially with canberra metalheads and you know see you guys out and around a lot and known you guys for a fair few years now and Mm -hmm. um i've known jay for about 20 you know (laughs) we're we're laughing about a bit of uh what we we do you know with with a bit of band whoring and getting in and you know a couple of times we've both built sort of been in four 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 or five bands at once you Mm -hmm. know and um yeah, we've you know known each other for many many years, and it's sort of the thing that we're. I think the whole scene as a whole is growing. Um, you know, to have have actually our own metal station again, which we sort of you know a lot of people had come come and gone trying to do it in the past, mm. and um, to have something that's sit and now growing, and you know see all the Canberra Metalhead T-shirts out there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like right. so. You know, we've got our CD out now. We've already been thumbing around whether you know T-shirts, next thing merchandise, you know. It's all going to start sort of keep growing, and I think Canberra's at that point where it's just an it is exceptional time where everything's just going to explode, and um, the quality of the music and bands, my God, Canberra's still got it. Every everyone's pushing everyone to get to that next level, man. No, like, that's, absolutely, that's the cool thing, and so it's good to see like twenty year old relationships still coming coming through. You know, we, we've been all going out to shows and building the scene between our friends oh each been... you know what i mean like yeah it's, it's good to see a, a good clear trajectory that that canberra's taking you know oh look and we keep pushing ourselves on and on you know and uh yeah the, the more the more of us that are still out there still doing it um get, you know to inspire the younger you know like there, there was yeah. a point where we were all the the young new faces trying to get on all with these uh, these really big bands that were in Canberra because that was the scene. Like Canberra was uh, the heavy metal platform for Australia. Like yeah. and um, so we had some big shoes to sort of get into, and you know we all helped and groomed each other with you know some band put on a really kick-ass performance, and I was like, right, we're gonna. That's the level we've got to come out with the now. New standard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then it came with bands. You know, like 
Temple Star and Eon Horus. I think they set a new standard in in what a yeah. um, what a CD is supposed to, you know, like what your production can be from just being Canberra. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, <laughs> so it's it's pushed the standard up really really high, and um, so now all the bands they all want to do that and emulate that, you mm. know, and they want to be the next ones doing it. And I think this is why we spent a lot of time on where on, on where we went and and how we did it. Um, you know, could have quite easily done it at home with the gear I've got, but um, I think we sourced out the right people and had the right people involved and the right people around us at the right time. Absolutely, man. Kick ass. Um, so you've been listening to a uh, feature-length edition of the show where we've played Clarity of Chaos's first album, which is self-titled Clarity of Chaos. We're going to be closing up the show now with Bring Back the Tide. This one here is um, probably one of my favourites to see played live. Um, oh, we love playing it. Um, the response we get, it's usually our last song. Yep. So I usually have a bit of a bit of a call out at the end of it where I want people to come in and out like the tide um, with a few uh, profanities thrown in there just for good measure and um, you know cause, yeah uh, you'll have to come to the show to hear that one you know pumped out because it's a yeah, it's a bit tongue in cheek, and you don't know whether you're going to get hit or the bottles thrown at you, or they're <laughs> going to take it lightheartedly. So, well, but, I think that that uh, call out started at Maria when we played down the coast. Yeah, and that's the origin of that one. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to coin that um, tide term um, on a coastal gig, so uh, yeah. it's good to carry it through now to everywhere else. The uh, the tides carried from Maria right through to Canberra now. So. Yes, taking over everything at the moment, so it's great. All right, guys, it's been good having you on the show, and uh, thanks for uh, you know the repeat guest visit, and thank you for dropping the new album and letting us play it through. Well, thank thanks. you for having us. Thanks, Marky and Jay. It's been a pleasure, mate. Been great. Thank you for listening to the show. Signing out. You've been listening to Marky Malpas and JDK. And until next time, keep it metal. Skate. Yucca. Yucca. Bam. <laughs>